good to see you here tonight. We're going to get straight into the Word of God together this evening. And um, the word I have for you is this. You are the seed. You are the seed. You know, in John chapter 12 and verse 24, Jesus speaks about his life as a seed. He says, if a seed of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new seeds, a plentiful harvest of new lives. That's a new living translation. So Jesus understood that his life was a seed and that his life would culminate in his, in his seed life being planted on the cross. He sowed his seed, he sowed his life on the cross. Everybody thought it was all over when he was died and then put in a tomb. But actually, it was the, it, it was the picture of a seed being sown. And on the third day, of course, he rose again. And because of that seed that, that was sown, the eternal Son of God, God made man, sowed his life on the cross. How many believers are here tonight? You see, we, we, we are the fruit, we are the fruit of his seed. Not just us, but the millions and millions of believers that have gone th down through the centuries. One seed, the seed of the Son of God, sown so that many could be reaped. Now, seed and seed time and harvest is a very important principle in the Bible. In fact, it's so important we can take it for granted. We can say, oh yes, yeah, seed time and harvest, heard that one. We know in Genesis chapter 1, that in verse 17, I won't turn to it, but just in case you'd want to, Genesis 1 verse 17 begins speaking about God creating plants yielding seed. And that happens again and again. Plants yielding seed. Why is that so important right there at the beginning of Genesis? Because if a plant doesn't yield seed, then it dies out. A plant yielding seed multiplies. Also in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22, after the great flood, God gives mankind a promise. We know the rainbow but also, he says, might be worth reading, it's such a beautiful promise. Every time you see that rainbow, there were no rainbows before the uh, flood. Uh, the whole uh, natural environment um, and biological environment, well, not biological, but the environment that was there before the flood precluded um, rainbows taking place, but they they began afterwards because of the change that had taken place with the waters coming down from the heavens. Well, anyway, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. Here it comes. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, 
cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Now, the most important factor there is the seed time and harvest. The other things that he speaks about, summer and winter, uh, day and night, those are, that is the environment that's needed for seed time and harvest to take place. You need spring to sow. So you need summer to reap. You need the autumn and winter in order to prepare the ground for the next harvest. You need day and night. You need the shortening of nights. You need the lengthening of days in the summer. All these environmental factors are important for seeds to produce the ear, the corn, and, 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 then, and then more seed. So really what God is saying is, uh, from now on, the principle of seed time and harvest will never be touched. And also, that God will provide the environment for the seed to eventually bear fruit. Now, the power of a sown seed is amazing. 4,000 years ago, or, or, they, or what, what happened was they discovered a 4,000-year-old mummy in Egypt quite a while ago. And this 4,000-year-old mummy was all shriveled up, as, as, as you can expect, but clutched in its hands was several seeds of wheat that had been in its hands for over 4,000 years. He'd been, they'd been put in his, in his hands as he'd been mummified, as probably part of some sacred ritual. And those seeds had remained dormant for 4,000 years, producing nothing. But if you were to take one of those 4,000-year-old seeds and to plant it, to sow it, and then if that seed was healthy and that 4,000-year-old seed began to grow and reproduce and other seeds came from it, if that healthy seed produced more healthy seeds, then within 20 years that one seed would have produced a wheat harvest that would be able to keep the whole of the world in wheat for one year. One seed, healthy seed, producing healthy seeds, will by the end of 20 years produce enough wheat for the whole of a one year's global harvest. That's the power of multi multiplication. But the crazy thing was is that seed for 4,000 years had not been planted. It's not enough to have seed. It's not enough to be a seed. That seed must be sown. If Jesus had not sown his life on the cross for our salvation and rose again, then he would not have produced fruit. If this seed that had been 4,000 years dormant, inert, if that had been sowed, if it kept its health and not been corrupted, it would immediately, in the right environment, start to produce fruit. Seed needs to be sown in soil. And when you sow the seed in healthy soil, 
then what you're doing is you're positioning the seed for the natural forces to take over. I mean, Jesus, you say, well, that's all about natural seeds. Not really. Let's go to Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. The Gospel of Mark 24. Sorry, Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. The parable of seed growing. Mark 4, 26. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is an analogy of the kingdom of God. You know, when the parables say the kingdom of God is like, then what Jesus is saying is he is explaining to us how kingdom principles work. You say, well, I'm in the kingdom of God. All right. Well, whatever kingdom you're in, there are certain laws that you have to obey. So if you're in, in the United Kingdom, we have certain laws that you have to obey. And those laws are very different should you live in the kingdom of, say, Saudi Arabia. There's not many laws there that I like. I, would want to be, I wouldn't want to be in that kingdom. I wouldn't want to be abiding by those medieval restrictive uh, laws. Okay, depending what kingdom you are in, there are certain laws and principles that you must obey whether you like them or not. Well, the moment that you give your life to Jesus and you are born again, and that's, that's the seed, I'll talk about that in a minute. The moment you give your life to Jesus, the moment you accept him as your Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that he died for you and that he rose again, the moment you truly believe, you, you, you are not just now a disciple of Jesus, but something supernatural has taken place in your life, and you have been translated, the New Testament says, delivered from the kingdom of darkness and its laws of death and sin, and you have been put in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God and His grace and His blessing and His mercy. So when you become a Christian, one of the great things to discover is how life works in the new kingdom that you're in. You're in the kingdom of darkness, you're now in the kingdom of light. You are under the kingdom of Satan and sin and all its power, now you're under the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. They're two totally opposite kingdoms. They have nothing in common. And when you are a Christian, you are discovering what it is to live by the kingdom principles of life and the kingdom power. So these are why the, the parables are so important, because you learn how things operate, and they don't operate like they operated when you were in the world. It's a totally different way of thinking, a totally different way of being, a totally different way of living. And so in this particular parable, it says the kingdom of God is like sowing seed. And this particular parable highlights the fact that the man doesn't know how it happens. That's the key teaching 
Whenever you read a parable, there's many things to learn from it, but really there's only one point. You should say, what one point is this particular parable of Jesus teaching me? Well, the particular point here is that when you sow in the kingdom of God, then something happens to that seed that you have no control over, that you don't properly understand, you don't know how it happens or what's happening. All you know if you sow is that you've sown a seed of the kingdom. If the kingdom of God is like sowing seeds, that means that there is kingdom seed to sow. All truth is parallel, and Jesus is paralleling the sowing of physical seed in arable with living the kingdom life. So the man takes kingdom seed, and he begins to sow. He begins to sow that seed. He sows the seed. He doesn't keep looking to see what that seed is doing, how it is growing. He doesn't keep digging it up. Like a little child, when they first want to, to know how a seed works, and they put it in the soil, and the next day, if that seed hasn't sprouted, they want to dig it up to see what's happening. They want to figure it out. That's why you normally learn about the power of seeds in school with cress seeds, don't you, or mustard seeds. Do you remember the cotton wool? No? They don't teach arable in London anymore. You, some of you remember, you, you get that cotton wool, you soak it. You put the mustard seeds or the cress seed on the cotton wool. And then you wait, and thank God for little kids, they are quick-growing, quick-germinating seeds. And then soon, it's wonderful, you begin to see the seed breaking up, and you begin to see the shoot coming, and, and then at the end, you get to have crest sandwiches or, or taste that mustard because you've grown your first crop. Well, in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. You sow the seed, but you can't figure out how it happens. This is very important. You know, when you give of your tithes and offerings, that's one way of sowing kingdom seed. There's everything that you do in the kingdom of God is a seed because you are a seed. And you bear seed-bearing uh, qualities for the kingdom of God. Fruit-bearing qualities for the kingdom of God. Day and night he sleeps, he gets on with his life. And yet the environment which, we've, which that seed is being planted in takes over. You know, it's summer now, and those of us that have small gardens are beginning to see some of the seeds that we've planted coming up. And so I've seen in an area uh, that I'm allowed to have as my part of the garden. My wife, Nicola, gives me one part of the garden. It's the part that most people can't see. To do what I want to do in that part of the garden. Well, my favorite flower is poppies. So I put poppy seed in there. First time I made a mistake one year because I put them too deep. But then I learned you just put them under the surface. But the poppy seeds, I've never seen such a small seed. I bought a packet of poppies and I cut it open and it just looked like there was a bit of ash in it. Poured it on. I couldn't believe how tiny they were and what, and what was in that that could produce it. Now, if I kept them in that poppy seed bag, nothing would ever happen, would they? It's a bit like that 4,000 old seed we were talking about. But... When I sprinkled them and put them in this area, this patch, then what did I do? Did I do anything else with those poppy seeds? No. Did I dig them up? No. Did I fertilize them? No. What, what did I I just left them. If it was dry, I might water them. That's true. But I just left them. 
And the fact was, when those seeds got in the earth, the environment took over. It be, the, the, the days got longer, the sunlight, the warmth, the, the moisture. As soon as that seed was in, all these things. Now, now we know biologically a lot more about how these things happen. That's not Jesus' point. But you sow the seeds, and then you begin to see these seeds grow. Now, my mum told me last year when I first, uh, when I, well, when I planted this, the poppies properly, because then I then planted them again when they didn't come up, she said, you know, you won't have to put any more packets there. I said, why? She says, because when they end, they're going to produce all the seed. Just make sure you make sure they squish them, and all that poppy seed falls out, and then it will grow next year. Poppies producing seed that was planted. Jesus then goes on to speak of the mustard seed straight after in 4.30. Uh, what can we compare the kingdom of God? And he talks about the mustard seed, the smallest of seeds being planted but producing in time a great bush. Seed is a great picture of the kingdom of God. Now, let, let's think about a little bit more of the, about these kingdom principles of seed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23... 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, I was speaking about being born again, and it's got something to do with being a seed. Well, listen to this. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Wow. The kingdom of God is like seed, but the Word of God is seed. The Word of God is not just information in the Bible, but the Word of God is seed. When God speaks, spiritual seed comes out of His mouth. But of course, that seed also needs to be planted in soil. Seed needs to be sown. And that's why one of the uh, greatest, or the, the, the parable of parables found early in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. I won't go in detail to that, but it's there. You can look at it. Mark chapter 4, and the idea is, here's a man, and he's just scattering seed. Some seed falls on good ground and produces tenfold, right up to a hundredfold. Some seed falls on the hard ground, and the birds eat it up. Some on the stony ground, and, and, it, and it quickly germinates, but there's no room for its roots, and the sun burns it out. And some falls among the weeds, and as the seed grows, so does the weeds, which are the cares of the world, and throttles and kills the Word of God so that it can't produce. And the disciples don't understand, and Jesus said, don't you, don't you understand this parable? How can you understand any parables? In other words, this parable is the door to understanding all parables after it. And Jesus said, the soil is the hearts of men and women. The seed is the word of God. You know, when you become a Christian, it's something that has a change has taken place in your heart. Someone has been sowing seed of the good news, telling you about Jesus, or you've been reading about Jesus, good seed. Or you've come to a church or an evangelistic event, and seed has entered your heart. And unbeknown to you, 
that seed has been placed by the Holy Spirit and has begun to germinate and it causes a complete revolution on the inside of you. You become regenerated, born again, a new creature deep down in your spirit. The old passes away. There is a new you to discover for the rest of your life. The Christian life is simply a life of self-discovery. Throwing off what you are no longer, you were, you are no longer, and discovering the new you, the new you that God has, has wanted you always to be. And discovering the new you is discovering who you are in Christ, but also the kingdom principles that the new you uh, it has been recreated to follow. Seed. You were born again. You know, natural, we can go into all the natural seed things. I mean, you were born first time because of a seed, weren't you? Your father placed a physical seed into your mother. And you were, you were um, conceived. Without that seed, it could not take place. Well, God sent his seed of his word into your heart. And you were born, not from your mother's womb again, like Nicodemus got mixed up. How can I climb back in my mother's womb? No, no, no. Not with the seed of a human father, but the seed of God's word, which is living and active. Galatians chapter 6 speaks about the fact that everything we do is seed. Seed for good or seed for evil. Galatians 6.6, 6, it says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. This passage is straight after Paul's description of the works of the flesh. You know the works of the flesh? The sexual perversities, the anger, hatred, all these things are seed. And then he speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. He speaks of love and the eight dimensions of love, such as peace and joy and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control and uh, gentleness under, under, uh, under control. And those are attributes, but they're also seeds. And then after that, he says, whatever you sow, you'll reap. In other words... You are sowing every day of your life. Your words are seed and your actions are seed. You are the seed. You say, is there any scripture that actually says that I am literally seed? Yes, there is. Matthew chapter 13, please. Matthew chapter 13. Let's start from verse 36. Again, parables. Matthew 13, verse 36. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. That's us. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. 
and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be in the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who's got ears, let him hear. So in this explanation of the uh, parable, he explains that we Christians, we are good seed. The one who sows the good seed, verse 37, is the son of man, Jesus. The field is the world and the good seed is is the sons of the kingdom. Jesus wants to sow you into this world. This is why wherever you are in the marketplace of life is important. Wherever you live, whatever neighborhood that might be, it's important. Whoever you're studying with, if you're a student, it's important. Whatever workplace you find yourself out, it's important. Why? Because this parable says your kingdom seen, seed being sown in the field of the world. Well, this is important. Why? Because if Christians, not saying that we are, but if Christians stayed in their ghettos, if Christians never went out into the field of the world, then we would be like that seed I spoke of earlier, 4,000 years old, could have produced in 20 years a harvest for the whole world, and yet because it wasn't sown, it lied dormant, powerless, not in the environment that would produce fruit. And that's what the cells are all about here at Kensington Temple. Cell groups are to edify you, strengthen you, pastor you, help you grow to everything God wants you to be, but also to turn you out and to plant you in seed power in the marketplace of whatever area, career, or situation or neighborhood you find us. You see, it's not enough just to be seed. We need to be sown into the world. We need to place ourselves in that environment and show that we're Christians. How do you sow yourself as a Christian? You behave like one. You speak like one. You act like one. You sow your words and your life. And the more you become like Christ, the greater the seed you are where you are. And you say, well, what will happen? You will reap a harvest. What, what will happen? You will, you will reap a harvest. You'll be sowing into people's lives around you. You are the seed. You know, Robert Louis Stevenson said this, Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. That's worthy of writing down and putting on your iPhone. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Robert Louis Stevenson. Wow, if only we... We acted like that, but if you're anything like me, I'm looking at, well, what did I accomplish today? What did I get back this week? What did I see? What did I reap? What did I? And uh, all the time we should be saying, wait a second, wrong question. Where did you sow love? 
Where did you sow into someone's life? Where did you sow Christian principles? Where did you sow prayer? Seed, 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 seed. Sowed, 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 sowed. That's how we judge our days. That's how we judge our weeks. Bob Russell said another quote, another quote. Hit you with another one. Be careful that you don't get too busy pulling weeds that you forget to plant seeds. Be careful in life that you don't get too busy pulling weeds and forget about planting seeds. What does that mean? Dealing with everything that's coming your way, dealing with all the problems, all the difficulties, just trying to get through life, and you realize that you're pulling up the weeds, but you're not sowing the seeds. Sowing seeds in your children's life, sowing seeds in your spouse's wife. Seed, seed, seed to meet need, need, need. Your seed. Some, some preacher once said this. He said, your seed, sorry, your need determines your seed. That's quite interesting, that. Your need determines your seed. You know, instead of saying, I need this, I need that, I need the other. Well, what seed are you sowing? Someone said, if you want love, sow love. Sow love. If you want kindness, sow love. kindness. You say, well, well, how does it work? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. But Galatians also says, don't weary in doing good. Don't, and this is all part of this, the section, don't weary in sowing seed. Because in due time, harvest time, you will reap Eternal righteousness. You know, sometimes I think we get weary sowing seed. Let me finish with this, because I think you get where we're going, and you can apply this to your daily lives. There is something called El Nino that takes place every few years or so in South America. What this is, is this is a warm current of wind and, 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 and through the sea that comes every so often to South America. And when this comes, it brings monsoons and water and, and not like average rainfall. Well, two years before the Welsh revival, there was an El Nino that hit South America that was the greatest that had ever been seen or at least recorded. It was a torrent of rain. And this rain reached certain desert parts of South America that had not received rain since 1551. Exactly. And this rain, it just came and it came and it came. And in a short while, these desert parched areas of South America, some that hadn't received recorded rain since 1551, turned into a paradise of bloom. Why? Because there were millions and millions of hardy seeds that had been hidden and found under the soil, well, not found, but under the soil, that had stayed there for centuries. They were there in the soil, but the environment wasn't complete. But when this incredible warm current, the, the, the greatest that had ever been experienced came. Millions of these seeds that had lain dormant began to sprout and grow with great vigor. You see, one day the Holy Spirit's going to rain on you. 
One day the Holy Spirit's going to reign on the work of your seed. It, it might, hopefully it'll be a bit shorter than 1552. But that seed, like that 4,000 year seed, it just lay. It just, but if, no, if, if the seed had not been sown centuries ago, when the rain come, what would have happened? Nothing. It would have stayed exactly where you are. You need to sow with hope. Plant with hope. Not everything is like cress and mustard seed that comes within a few days. Sometimes the seeds that we are sowing may not germinate for years, decades, or even centuries. But if there's one thing you take away with yourself into this week, let it be that you, everything you say, everything that you do, your plans for effectiveness this week, you are God's seed. Let's bow our heads in prayer and in response. Have the musicians, please. One of the greatest things that you can do in your life is to receive the seed of eternal life. Is there someone here today, and, and you're not here by accident, but you've not yet thoroughly given your life to Jesus. You can't be one foot in the devil's kingdom and sin's kingdom and one foot in God's kingdom. It doesn't work like that. You're either in his kingdom or you're not. And how you say, well, how do I make sure I'm in his kingdom? What do I have to do? Believe. Believe. Believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. Took your place. Tell you what, if Jesus didn't die for your sins, I promise you this, you will die in your sins. And you'll taste that fire that we've been reading about. But thank God, God didn't leave us. But he sent a seed. And that seed was his son who died on the cross and took the sins of the whole world, the any of the world that would then subsequently believe what he did, they would immediately be saved and forgiven forever. So in your heart, will you receive the seed of God's salvation? Will you be born again tonight by that imperishable seed? Once that seed enters your heart, my friend, the seed of salvation, it will never be destroyed. It will never leave you. I guarantee you that you will have eternal life, not just when you die, but you can begin to experience it through kingdom seed time and harvest for the rest of your life. If you want to receive this seed once for all in your heart, walk out of this building tonight saved your sins and saved for a future of kingdom sowing and reaping. With every head bowed, I want you just to lift your hand where you are and I'll pray for you. I will water that seed that's in your heart with my prayer and you can go out confident that you are in God's kingdom. Lift your hand right now and I'll pray for you. Upstairs in the balcony, downstairs, lift your hand. Yep. Thank you. Yes, at, at the back. Hand. Anybody else? Oh, I'm missing everyone. Oh, thank you. Your hands are held high. Don't see any consolidators checking this. 
in the, in the middle. Anybody else, just lift your hand. Don't die in your sins. Live in his glory. Yeah. All of you. This is your time. You're part of a harvest. Someone's brought you here or encouraged you to come. They were sowing seed, and now they're reaping, and, 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 and you are reaping. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, for every hand that's lifted, and you can still lift your hand if you want to get in on this harvest. Lord, you've brought them here. People have sown seed in their lives, and tonight is the time that they receive their harvest of salvation. Sometimes that seed has been sown for many, many years. Sometimes just for a few days. It doesn't matter. But today that seed brings eternal life. Pray for each one of them, Lord. Your blessing would be upon them. And for us, Lord, we open our hearts. We say, what does this mean for me? Maybe you're holding your seed back. Maybe your seed is in the storeroom, who you are, what you can do. Maybe you need to go out and scatter. Yeah, but I don't know how it works. Don't try and figure out how it works. Well, I don't know. If you, give, if you love someone that doesn't like you, how does that work? Don't try and figure out how seed and harvest time works. Well, if I'm generous to someone and they're not generous back, if I forgive someone and they don't, they don't forgive back, if I treat someone kindly and they treat me in return unkindly, how does that work? Don't try and figure it out. Just sow your seed. Sow your seed. Well, I don't want. I don't. I don't have. I don't want to give to God. I need the money myself. Well, if I sow the seed, sow the seed to God. How does He provide for my needs? Don't try and work it out. Remember the parable. Just whatever seed you have in your life, your voice, your actions, whatever charity, whatever you can do, please just sow it. Leave the rest to the Lord. And one day, when the Holy Spirit rain falls. And it's going to come in revival one day when that rain falls, the latter rain. It's going to be like in South America. And, and, and although we will have received some of that seed back, when that water falls, then all that seed is going to germinate, sprout immediately. It's called revival. Keep on sowing. Keep on sowing in Jesus' name. Those of you that put your hands up, someone's going to come with you, spend a few moments with you. I want to give you a New Testament, which is more seed. I want to pray for any needs that you've got. No one's going to ask you to do anything you don't want. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to now force you to do this or the other. We, we just want to pray for you and help you in whatever way we can. So they're going to come to you don't, don't, or signal to you during this period. But the rest of us are going to stand together. We're going to worship the Lord. I want the ministry team to come forward. And as we worship the Lord for the next 10, 15 minutes, just think, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me about what seed I should sow. Don't just go out and think, well, that was a nice sermon if it was a nice sermon. Say, Lord, what shall I do this week? What shall I do in work? What shall I do with my friends? What shall I do in my cell group? What shall I do? Think right now as you worship Him, and the Holy Spirit will put on your heart some seed words, activities, could be a phone call. To a long lost friend. Could be inboxing someone on Facebook that you haven't inboxed. It could be a tiny seed or it could be a huge seed. May the Holy Spirit speak to you in these next few minutes. And also if there's some need you have, you came here for prayer, you came here with a sickness, you came here with a trouble, you came here with a circumstance, you came here discouraged, whatever it was, and you just would like someone 
to pray for you, then during this time, we're going to go over the next 10 minutes or so to quarter two maybe. And during that time, come, be prayed for, be blessed.